Good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet and I'm here in the studio with Laron Landis and I'm going to move this computer so I can see Laron Landis or I'll move a little bit and move my microphone which doesn't want to move. And uh, our guest today is Leslie McMurray. She is the Transgender Advocacy Manager at Resource Center. Oh, and sort of, yeah. What are you then? The Transgender Education and Advocacy Associate. Raphael will be the manager. He's, he's the... He, he's the manager yeah. of... He's my direct report. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to plug myself in so I can actually hear you. There you are. Yeah. Um, she, Leslie is here to talk about um, transgender decorating tips and <laughs> okay, uh, summer transgender summer cocktail recipes. Uh, why not? Well, why not? Are they different uh, from any other decorating tips? Apparently. I guess so. Or cocktails else different? Seems to be different, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And all that is to say it is pledge drive here at Camp One <laughs> today. I, I don't know what that and has I to do with And I love my anything. checkbook at home. Uh, we take credit cards. Oh, lovely. If you would like to make a pledge, you can uh, call 972-647-1893. That's 972-647-1893. Laurens are standing by because Josh's are no longer with us. I know. We already miss you, Josh. Yeah, he, today's his moving day. <laughs> He's is. moving down to College Station um, for work. Uh, so if you would like to make a pledge, 972-647-1893. That's 972-647-1893. But wait. You can also make a pledge online. Just go to knon.org and hit the Pledge Now button. Uh, the advantage of doing it that way is we're short-staffed. But yeah. uh, no, the advantage of doing it that way is you get to see all of the pledge premiums uh, online. Um, and you can, you know, instead of our reading a whole list to you, uh, you can see them yourself. Uh, for a $50 pledge, though, you can get a KNON t-shirt. This month's t-shirt or this Pledge Drives t-shirt is a red t-shirt with uh, gray uh, Voice of the People KNON 89.3 writing on it. Uh, we have a ladies t-shirt, which is a slim cut t-shirt. Uh, that lets me out. And well, and I can even announce that one because Patty's not here today. That one just pisses her off. <laughs> so if you'd like to piss Patty off and make a $50 pledge, you can get a ladies gray with black writing KNON 89.3 t-shirt. Actually, it, I, I'm, yeah, it, I'm not happy about it either. It's just a shirt. It's just yeah. a different cut. Yeah. So how much do, <clears throat> do you have to pony up to get a plaque? Um, to get a plaque is $1,000. And actually, Josh has a plaque up here. Wow. So, uh, if you'd like to uh, be a permanent part of KNON's decor and history, uh, you can have a plaque made up. They're $1,000. I think it's payable over a year. I think that's correct. And, um, uh, and just tell us that's how you'd like to do it, 972-647-1893. As I said, Leslie McMurray is our guest. Uh, and uh, when Leslie comes on, she's here to talk about transgender issues, comment on the news. Uh, she is the expert in the area oh, on no. transgender issues. Um, one of the things that, I, that we've all noticed, the Biden uh, administration has been not quiet about, but just appointing people who are, are qualified, like Rachel Levine, uh, as one of the uh, heads of the Department of uh, Health and Human Services. I guess she's heading the health. She's the assistant health, yeah, um, person. The uh, assistant secretary for defense readiness is Sean Skelly, also a transgender person. Um, that has to be good for the transgender community, that people, you know, as an example of people who have reached the top of their field, well, it's also probably good for America that we have a president who's nominating people that are qualified rather than people that are political hacks and cronies that, you know, like Betsy DuVos, who was an embarrassment to the education department. She's never been a teacher or a principal or had no background in public education whatsoever. And here, how she's found her way to be the, the education secretary, I'll never know. So the fact that they're, they're promoting qualified people, I think, is kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, she Rachel Levine was considered 
of the 50 states heads of um, the Department of Health in their state, she was considered head and shoulders above the rest of them. And she was the head of the Department of Health for um, Pennsylvania. That's great. They had uh, like investors, uh, Wall Street investors that were involved in the, the pandemic uh, and handling that uh, under Trump. So like I say, it's great to have qualified people in, in their positions. Now, before the show, we were talking a little bit about some of these things. You do have an objection to her in her position or what she hasn't done with her position that she could have. Well, I just think she's been awfully quiet. And I, you know, I can't blame her because we do live in a political world more so than I think we ever have before. But she has not gone out and like, for instance, what's going on now in our uh, legislature is we're in the beginning, I guess, today would be uh, day one or two of the second special session mm -hmm. uh, that the governor has called and he sent a um, inquiry to what was the Family Protective Services for the state of Texas asking if genital mutilation would be considered child abuse and what he's saying by that is there's an attempt to make affirming care to transgender kids considered child abuse where a doctor could lose their license for doing that and possibly face prosecution and the parents might lose the kid which is an absolute obscenity because affirming care for a kid is never child abuse. Second of all, equating it with genital, genital mutilation is to completely not understand <clears throat> what is being done with children. And I can describe that process for you uh, in a family-friendly way. If you have a child that comes... because before the show, you didn't describe it in a family-friendly way. Well, I know when the little red light's on, you know, I, I understand, so I can she, frame it in a different she's way. She's radio experience. If you have a child that comes out at, say, seven years old, and they are, they meet that criteria of are they insistent, consistent, persistent, and they come out and say, look, Mom, I'm not uh, your son, I'm your daughter, I'm a girl. Uh, the treatment at that point is maybe changing their hair, changing their name, their clothing, and their pronouns. That's it. There is zero medical intervention on a seven-year-old. So hair mutilation. At all. Maybe you don't need to mutilate, you just grow it a little longer. So it's really, you're not doing anything with it. I guess you could call it hair neglect, perhaps, if you wanted to be mean. But that's about it. There is no medical intervention whatsoever. Then, if the child continues, 8, 9, 10, 11, 11, 12 years old, 5 years, and that child is living every day, as a little girl instead of a little boy, consistent, insistent, persistent every day. So four or five years go by. Child enters puberty. Uh, let, let me ask you, uh, would there be some counseling involved in perhaps, at that yeah. point? Yeah, but that they're not going to be uh, manipulating or bothering their genitalia at all. But isn't that one of them. the things that uh, Abbott wants to cut off and accuse the counselor even of uh, malpractice? I haven't heard that. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, I don't know if you saw the movie or the uh, documentary called Pray Away. It's on Netflix. Yeah, it just came out, premiered uh, two or three days ago. Yeah. Actually, the um, producers of that were arranging to c come on the show. Good, 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 good. Uh, I was very deeply affected by watching that. Uh, probably uh, second only to And the Band Played On, as far as emotional reaction mm -hmm. to a documentary. Um, I would highly recommend people seeing that. But to say, again, what a counselor can and cannot talk to to a kid, especially if they're being affirming, is to me, I, I, I just can't. Anything other than being affirming, I think, would be um, malpractice or child abuse or whatever you want to call it. So getting back to the process of what the transition would look like. Uh, puberty occurs in what are called Tanner stages. There's five Tanner stages to puberty. Tanner stage one is just the brain saying down below, hey, there's going to be some changes coming along, so be prepared. And a Tanner stage two is the first indication of any sort of change. And at that point, it's usually around 11 or 12 years old, but it varies. Uh, they may, may, if the psychologist, if the doctor, if both parents and the child want to move forward, they can stall puberty. And that's by... Uh, there's a couple of different puberty suppression drugs. One is called uh, Lupron and the other is Superlin. Uh, and one is a, a injectable and the other is like a pellet that goes in on the skin. Can we get, get, let's reiterate what you're saying. Yeah. Stall 
puberty. Yeah, it's, called, it's, it's just not basically permanent. hitting the pause button. And at any right. point, if you remove one of those drugs, then wherever they pause puberty at, it continues naturally on where it would have been. So it's 100% reversible. So again, we've gone from age 7 to age 11, 12. Again, everything that's being done is 100% reversible and nothing to do with the genitalia. Nothing. So then you go forward to age 15, 16 years old, that's nine years. So people are saying, well, how can we tell if the kids for sure that they know who they are at nine years old? Well, didn't you? Do you question every other kid that's nine years old that identifies that her sex assigned at birth? Do you question their sanity for acknowledging what you assume it to be? So kids know who they are. So if they have been that way for eight, nine years, and then and only then will they consider introducing cross-sex hormones. Again, not touching the genitalia. And there's a period after which, then yeah, you'd start seeing things that would not be reversible. But in most trans people, that's a good thing. I was denied that opportunity, and I would have loved to not be six feet tall, not to have the voice that I have, not to have giant hands and feet that I can't find shoes for. Uh, it's a humane act if you have a child that is going to identify female, but it was identified male at birth, to be able to have cross-sex hormones and those puberty blockers. And if they want to have biological kids, you can donate sperm or donate eggs before the introduction of cross-sex hormones, and you can have natural biological kids. I don't understand the argument. So even up to 18, we've not touched anything surgically whatsoever. At age 18, they're adults, and they can do whatever they want to, and even not all of them want to have any surgical intervention. Right. But it oftentimes or prevents... Or are sure yet whether they want to. Sure. But it often prevents... Uh, surgical problems because in a, the case of a trans guy you're halting breast growth and so they don't have to have a double mastectomy that they otherwise would have without those kind of medications so uh, to say that it's inhumane or it's wrong or it's genital mutilation is to just not understand and it's a very cruel thing to try and get in the way of it because if the parents and the kids and their doctor and their counselor are all putting together a treatment plan and the child who maybe at one point was uh, suffering from suicidal ideation is now feeling pretty good about themselves and oh wait the state government wants to get involved with this treatment plan what gives you the right how are you possibly qualified to look at what this family has gone through for the past seven or eight years and say what they can or can't do it's absolutely obscene the whole conversation around trans and surgeries particularly genitalia surgery has just been so out of whack for years there's just an assumption that all trans people have to get it, and that's not true. No. And, um, or even want to get it, that's not true. And now it's being, this conversation is, you know, seeped down to the children, and it's, it's just been made worse. Well, I would love to think that they actually care about transgender kids, and they don't. They don't give a rat's rear end about transgender kids. Uh, it's like the argument when I was talking to Scott Sanford, who's the, uh, executive pastor for Prestonwood, we were on Channel 11, and he was saying things like, well, we're just trying to protect women and children against uh, predators. That's why we need the bathroom, Bill. And I said, well, first question is, why don't you care about your little boys because you're not doing anything to keep trans guys out of the men's room? All of your focus seems to be yep. focused on the women's room. So you don't really care about your sons. You only care about your daughters. That's not a very Baptist way to look at it, is it? And he said, well, it's not just there. We're trying to keep them safe in our schools, too. And I said, oh, you mean like Baylor, where you protected uh, those uh, trans or those uh, co-eds, 51 of them that I think that were raped by your football team and then covered up by the university president? So you mean like you're trying to protect them? It's like when Abbott says that they're trying to protect women's sports, let's look at what's harming women's sports. There, if you look at the U.S. women's gymnastics team, how many of those girls have been molested by their team doctor or by coaches? All of them. Yeah, pretty much all of them. And so is Abbott saying that we need to do things to, to more closely vet doctors and coaches that work with young girls? No. Well, trans athletes are ruining sports for the rest of us the same way Megan Rapinoe and her team ruined soccer for the rest of us. I suppose so. Or the way Katie and my marriage ruined traditional marriage, kind of like that. But if you look at things that are harming women's sports, let's go on. The next thing would be, how about pay equality? You've got the U.S. women's national team that wins World Cups and they win gold medals. And the men's team can't even make the tournament. But the men make more than twice as much as the women. You know, do you remember? That's such a good argument for one 
very good reason. If you're using money as the argument, mm -hmm. the women's team is the one that's bringing in the money. Yeah, exactly. And they're not paying them. No, they're not. Do you remember back in the NCAA basketball tournament, they were showing the two different weight rooms that were set up by the NCAA, which Title IX requires that each one of those be equal. The women's was just like a small rack of hand weights with a towel and a six-foot banquet table, and the men was like, no, this big palace of weightlifting with every size machine and free weights and everything, and those are supposed to be equal, and they're not, but I don't hear anything from... Uh, Abbott back in Austin saying, hey, we need to make sure these kind of things don't happen. We need to make sure there's equality in sports. He doesn't care. If he did, he would address the things that are harming it, and he's not. He's picking on children to throw red meat to Republican primary voters, and it's intellectually dishonest of him to say anything else. Sorry to get all worked up. No. Can, can you also talk about even if, you know, since we this conversation is about supposedly uh, genital mutilation of children, when a, uh, an adult trans person goes to seek uh, surgery. It's not like they just walk in on Monday and this doctor says, okay, cool, we'll sign you up, surgery's on Tuesday. There's a process to it, right? Oh my God, that's the other funny thing, is like if a typical average cis woman wants to get a boob job, she just calls a cosmetic surgeon and schedules the surgery. Right. I have to get a letter from my physician, I have to get a letter from a psychiatrist, and often a letter from a counselor as well. So I'll need three letters to present to the cosmetic surgeon to show that I'm not crazy. So we have to jump through a whole lot of hoops. WPATH, exactly. which is the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, has set down standards of care by which insurance companies will hold hospitals to in order to get insured. So yeah, it was a, I guess a nine month wait when I did, but for the doctor that uh, I used uh, the wait shortly after it was almost three years. Uh, wow. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of things you need to go through in order to... I had to get a letter from a Ph.D., I had to get a letter from a regular counselor, and a regular letter from my uh, physician, have all that. In a, I mean, there was this, an amazing array of stuff, and then also, <laughs> it's interesting what they, they do in uh, the gender confirmation surgery for someone transitioning from uh, male to female. Uh, they have to notify you that you would be sterile afterwards. <laughs> It's like, uh, that's pretty obvious, but yeah, okay. okay. So yeah, there's a whole lot of things that you have to sign and agree to, and it's not something that people would do frivolously. You have a lot of time to think about it. You had so much time, you had kids in the meantime. Well, I had kids beforehand. I got okay. that out of my system. <laughs> um, this is Pledge Drive here on KNON. KNON now accepts pledges on Cash App, and if you have Cash App on your phone, go to dollar sign KNON Radio. Uh, and that's all capitals, dollar sign KNON radio. To make a quick and easy pledge, that's dollar sign KNON radio, all caps, no space between KNON and radio. Cash app pledges are not eligible for premiums. If you want a premium, go online to KNON.org, hit the uh, pledge now button. Um, be sure to note that, uh, to, to note this program is the show you'd like to support when uh, you're on the Cash app. Leron, do you have one before we go to our break? What you, one of the best ways you can pledge is to sign up and have it sustained. You don't have to worry about it. And you're helping the station every single month, sustaining donations. Monthly donations can be made with a credit card or debit card, um, as well as your checking or savings account. Uh, call now. Again, the number is 972-647-1893. And tell us uh, how you want to help with the sustaining monthly donation. Your donation would be a gift that keeps on giving all year long, one month at a time. And again, you don't have to think about it. Just put it on there. You don't have to think about it anymore. Um, it can be deducted from your account from either on the first of the month or the middle of the month on the 15th. It's easy. It's automatic. You select the amount to come from your account every month for a minimum draft of $5. So give us a call at 972-647-1893, and let's get you set up on sustaining donation. And we'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. And I'm not used to running the board anymore. Uh, I'm Dave Taffet. <laughs> I'm here in the studio with Ron Landis. Patty will be back with us next week, and our guest is Leslie McMurray. We're riling her up on trans issues before we do... Can I come back next week? I want to see Patty. Sure. I've seen her in forever. Well, she's a little bit off this week. Yeah. <laughs>
I think how, she's she's how, out of town. Actually. How can we tell the difference? I you can't you yeah. can't. Uh, it is pledge drive here on KNON, and if you would like to make a pledge and get a great Texas Ranger style baseball jersey, it is now in blue. Uh, a full button-up baseball jersey shirt with a red and white KNON and a white Dallas, Texas in front. And the jersey says on the back, uh, 89.3 FM in red and white on the back. It comes in sizes medium through three extra large. And that goes for a $125 pledge. Do you have another one over there? Lamont? I do not. Okay. But, you know, I do need the sheet. Uh with, with the uh, with the pledges, yes, these yes. is is this close enough? That's close enough. Okay, hold on. I need to reach over the table and give this to Laurent. There we go. Thank you. I, I figured giving stage directions lets people at home know what it is that we're doing <laughs> and why we're so uncoordinated this week. We're uncoordinated because I haven't run the board in years. In years. On I mean, occasionally, basis, yeah. on, uh, occasionally, but uh, we sure miss Josh. Are you a fan of the Grateful Dead? Sure. Uh, when I was working in radio, I worked in radio for many, many years. Uh, it was back in 1979. I was 20, yeah, it's like 21 years old. Um, so, I mean, I was just brand new to it. And my first interview of anyone of note was Bob Weir of the mm. Grateful Dead because uh, he had a ranch in, or John Barlow anyway, had a ranch in Pinedale, and they just came up to party. They were working on a solo project of his. <clears throat> so they're sitting in a, a little, they had glass on the other side. It was in the, the newsroom, mm -hmm. and he didn't have a headset on. And he'd found a paint stirrer, one of those wooden paint stirrers on the counter, and he kept taking it going. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like playing songs with this little mic spring with a paint stir, but he didn't have headphones on and didn't understand how loud that was. <laughs> and it's just that was loud, by the way. And here I am, 21 years old, I'm not going to go, knock it off, Bob. <laughs> it was hilarious. Interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Speaking of first times on the radio, yeah. my first time on the radio, I was in college, and I was on, I was a special guest. I was the homosexual. Oh, okay. And I was... Kind of like when I, I'm the, the transsexual. And what reminded me of this, again, was the person that I was on with, who was the lesbian, just contacted me after more than 40 years. And I told her that this story had just come to mind, so it's funny that she would contact me uh, at this time. But the question that I was asked, or one of the call-in questions, because we had call-in, you can imagine, we don't do call-in here because we've gotten in trouble. You learned your lesson. Yeah. Um, but what it was, does your family accept you? And I didn't understand the question. Does my family accept me? I mean, they're my family. Yeah. It, it, why wouldn't my, they? Why, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Uh, and I, I think what I finally answered was, well, they're the ones who are nuts. Yeah. So why wouldn't they accept me? I'm the normal one yeah. in my family. So anyway, yeah. so coming from one normal gay person, a normal trans person, and then there's Laurent. It is yeah. Pledge Drive here at KNON. Call and make your pledge. Support this show. Support community radio and make a difference. KNON was picked the best music radio station, and you can tell by the music that we play here on Lambda Weekly. It was picked the best music radio station for 2020 by the Dallas Observer. Uh, it was also picked for the 2020 Survivor Award by the Fort Worth Weekly. That was for our tornado, not for anything else. Yeah. Uh, but you can make a pledge by calling 972-647-1893. That's 972-647-1893. Or... Give, actually, give us a call again, 972-647-1893. Give us a call and just let us know that we are actually on the air. Last <laughs> yeah, year, last, we, last, I mean, last week, we, week were. we were not. Transmitter check. Yeah. So just give us a call. Then when I talk to you, then you can make a pledge. So give us a call, 972-647-1893. I'm standing I, I, by the phone. I like that method of getting people to call. Trick them into calling and then force them to make a pledge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever works. The easiest way to make a pledge, though, is just going online, knon.org. Hit the Pledge Now button. Uh, all the pledge premiums will come up. All the information that we need is your name, your address, a phone, and an email. Um, and then your credit card number, or if you're going to 
pay by check, just let us know that. Hey, I was on the air in Northwest Wyoming at night, so my sign-on wasn't, hello, everybody. It was, hello, anybody? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Leslie McMurray. She is not the transgender advocacy manager at Resource no, Center. No, I'm not. She is the associate who, sure. who does the trans stuff at Resource Center. Yeah. Yeah, education advocacy, that sort of stuff. Yeah, education advocacy, all that kind of stuff. Um, in California, oh, did you have one? No, 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 go ahead. Okay, in California, they passed a bill. It was dubbed the transgender pronoun law. Yeah. Um, explain what the law, who the law addressed. It's been declared unconstitutional by an appellate court, though. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I don't know if I have a fully foreign opinion on it because I just feel sad that people just can't be nice to each other or just, you know, if, if the fact that for the longest time, the fact I, that they had to make this a law. Yeah, my my dad was named James Thomas, and everyone called him Bill, and so if you called him Jim or Jimmy or James, he wouldn't even pick his head up because that just wasn't who he was. That's not what he went by. Everyone literally called him Bill. Uh, and he would, if he had anything, it would be James, and then it was like, in quotes, Bill McMurray. Um, and so just being polite to my dad was calling him Bill, because that was his name. That's what everyone called him, that's what he expected to be called. Uh, so using the wrong pronouns on a trans person is just something that, it's like if you make a mistake, and sometimes people do, because uh, I understand what my voice sounds like, for instance. And so I know what it sounds like over the phone. I know what it sounds like on Zoom. And I don't like it. There's nothing I can do about it. Uh, but that's just the way it is. And so if I'm, say, going through a drive through and I get a hamburger and they say, thank you, sir, please pull forward, I'm probably not even going to correct them. It's annoying. I don't like it. But I understand why. So I know that it's not It, it was not meant as an insult. Exactly. So I get up to the window, and most times they'll go, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am, uh, you know, da, 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 da. it's like, hey, don't worry about it. So um, if you get up to the window and they see you and they misgender you to your face or use the wrong pronouns, here you go, sir, uh, then they're just being a jerk. And so California felt like I, apparently it had been happening enough, and, I, and sadly some of the cases it was with teachers to students. Uh, they came up with a law that just said persistently and rudely misgendering someone or using their wrong pronouns uh, would be against the law. And I don't even know what the penalty was, whether it was like a citation or infraction or whatever. But the fact they had to make a law, it makes me sad. I can understand why it's unconstitutional. I, th I think it should be very, it should be a very high bar to prohibit someone. It's kind of like the old, you know, shouting fire in a crowded theater. That is not free speech. It, it was aimed basically at nursing homes mm -hmm. so that if you're dealing with a nursing home patient who's really in a very compromised position at all times they're saying you have to call the person using the pronouns that that person wants to be referred to as yeah and I think they ought to and that's the, there's a practical reason for doing that too not only is it affirming and kind but it also um, helps break down that barrier because the trans community, which is getting older, like myself, are utterly older. terrified of getting into a nursing home because they don't want to be housed. If they're a trans woman, we don't want to be housed with guys or treated like a guy or called a guy or treated as one. Uh, and so they're either taking their own lives or exploring other options, but uh, they, I'm hearing time and time and time again, don't trust those nursing homes and it's hard enough to get doctors to treat us right let alone those communities that really don't understand us now this was declared unconstitutional based on free speech yeah does free yeah, I, speech, I don't understand that does free speech when you're in the workplace does free speech allow you to insult your clients patients those, boss. those who you're serving yeah here's the thing with that is it's covered under something separate and it's interesting in, in this particular racket, because in radio, I cannot be held like to harass a, a salesperson that comes in while I'm on the air. If they come into the studio, they're fair game. Outside that studio, it's a different ball game. It's that I can be held liable for harassment there. But largely, inside the studio, where I'm held to accountability is by the FCC 
and also by the people that run the radio station. Because if I'm giving an opinion that, say, whatever broadcasting company I'm representing while I'm on the air doesn't want said or whatever it might be, they can say, you're fired. And you can't claim free speech because you don't have free speech. You're employed by this company. If you own the radio station, yeah, you have free speech, up into what the FCC will allow you to say. But if you work for someone else, you don't have free speech. Free speech is standing on a street corner saying, vote this way, or I represent that, or you know, down with so-and-so. You have all the free speech you want to shout and holler there. But you don't have absolute free speech to like go on a, a media outlet or for or your employer. So is. this is what bothers me about this, uh, about losing this case. What it said was there's somebody out there who's caring for, obviously, caring for some transgender patients of theirs and felt that they had the right to call this person what I want to call them, not what they want to be called. They have a right to insult their patients. Yeah, I don't, I don't. And upset their patients. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand how that's a right. Now, do I think the person should be fired because first time they met them, uh, they misgendered the person or they're sometimes making a mistake with their pronouns. That's going to bother some transgender people. You know, yeah. I, I get that. I'm, I'm talking about caring enough that you bring a lawsuit and have this overturned. That's somebody that me, not a transgender person, doesn't want that person caring for me. Yeah, I, th I think what is going to solve that problem is going to be private enterprise. The federal government, I don't believe, should step in and solve that problem. I don't think the Supreme Court needs to get involved in conversations in the workplace. I think that's up to the employer. And that's one of the things that we can do as a community is to hold those employers accountable for that kind of thing. So I think we can apply more pressure than the Supreme Court can to that particular organization and to say, if you're going to treat people in a disrespectful way, I don't think I want to pay $7,000 a month to have grandpa in there. And so I'll probably pull them out and take them somewhere that's a little bit more accepting. We've done some trainings at some elder care facilities, and they're, the ones that we've been to have been remarkably, um, and I, they're, this is going to sound wrong, but I'm going to use the word ignorant, but they just didn't know. There's two types of ignorance. There's willful ignorance, which you can't train, and then there's just regular old, I didn't know. So they're thirsty to know how to treat people respectfully, and they want to. And so once they know, then you hold them accountability, and you need to make that policy within the employer. But if the and, employer and we're says not we talking don't care, about somebody who just made a mistake, right, right. Yeah, we're talking about people that are persistent with it, because there's people in every walk of life that hate people like me. I don't understand why. I don't know I what do. I've. Okay, well that's fine. Maybe you can explain it to me afterwards. But, um, but yeah, the, you're talking about people who are persistent and intentionally, yeah, trying and, to misgender you. And that's or, just rude. Yeah, that it, it is. is but I don't think it rises to the level of a federal civil rights violation. So I, I just think that, you know, the the Supreme Court probably ruled in the right way on that because I don't know that everyday speech should be uh, considered by the Supreme Court and we just run to them every time we have a complaint. But uh, it's something that should be done as far as company policy to say, we just don't treat people that way. And you can't claim free speech to say, oh, yes, I can. You say you can outside, but not if you're employed here. If you're employed here, you will be respectful. Mm -hmm. So that's how it should be handled. And, well, I mean, that's really what bothered me about, yeah. about this decision. Let's, let's see if it goes up any further. Right? Yeah. This was just the appellate well, court. So. If I had to guess, I would guess that it's a lot like that Connecticut uh, lawsuit that was filed by the Alliance Defending Freedom, which is a public interest and I use that word liberally, law firm that's Christian-based, that goes around shopping for plaintiffs. And so if they found somebody that had been maybe fired for misgendering people in an elder care facility, they're always looking for people like that and say, how would you like to be a plaintiff in a federal lawsuit to try and make this okay to do? And they're like, okay, what's it going to cost me? Not going to cost you anything. We're going to represent you absolutely free. You're just going to be the plaintiff, and we're going to run down and start filing lawsuits. I'm not saying that particular case went down that way, but it kind of smacks of that because it's just no reasonable person is going to say, that's the hill I want to die on. That's where I want to plant my flag is being cruel and obnoxious to people in a rest home. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not getting that one. Yeah. You know, if it was about another issue, but when it comes to nursing home care, yeah. Is that the fight you want to fight, really? Really? 
So, you want to misgender my dad? Okay. It is Pledge Drive here at KNOM, and the number to call is 972-647-1893, or you can just go online to knom.org, hit the Pledge Now button, and, um, uh, and just answer a few questions. Tell us how much you'd like to pledge, and then put in your credit card number so that it will be charged, credit or debit card. Uh, if you would, if you make a $50 pledge, you know, we always have our, our generic KNOM t-shirts. Our special t-shirts are usually more expensive than that, but uh, the generic KNOM t-shirt this month, it's a red uh, shirt with gray lettering. Um, but you could also get a KNOM coffee mug for a $50 pledge. Uh, it's campfire ceramic 15-ounce coffee mug in white with black speckle and rim. Don't know what that means, but that's the description of it. Uh, what what do you have, Laron? Uh, I mean, did you already talk about the teas? I had to step out for a second. Yes, talked about the teas. Talked about the teas. Of course, you can get the Cano uh, and folding chair. Um, they're starting to cool down slightly, but even if it's not, uh, concerts, festivals, everything seems to be back up and uh, going full steam, and so that's a it's a great uh, way or opportunity to get a folding chair so you can sit out there and enjoy those you can get one for a hundred dollars um and you know uh we i don't know if we've talked about the elite music sponsor you know the elite music sponsor is this is for five hundred dollars you get put on a list and for a year you can go to any knon event you just show up pays for um the food that's good you give an aside and the interest into it so $500, that's a steal for a year worth of events. And a couple of other uh, pledge premiums. Uh, we have the Big Thunder tote bag, which is a 15 by 13 uh, tote bag. That's for a $35 pledge. And the KNON Flex Fit Ball Cap for a $50 pledge comes in two sizes, either normal size or Laurent's head size. <laughs> Small, medium, or large, extra large. Yep. Uh, we need to take a break. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. I'm Joey Santos, and I listen to KNON-FM 89.3, Lambda Weekly. And this is KNON. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis. Patty has the week off, and we have as our guest Leslie McMurray. Um, tomorrow, no, t today. Today is the last day of the Olympics. And I want to know if you guys have been uh, watching. I have. Uh, it's been a very interesting Olympics um, because most of the venues have been like 90, 95% empty. Um, but there's been some history made, and one of the, uh, some of the history that's been made, we've had for the first time two openly transgender athletes compete. Okay, so the real question is how has the transgender community completely ruined the Olympics for the rest of the the athletes. I guess it depends who you ask, really, because uh, some people think that uh, yet as having us there is just creating this total unfair environment. But the fact is, the International Olympic Committee has had guidelines for the last eight Olympic Games, both summer and winter. And if you add up all eight summer Olympic Games and all the different sports and three medals for each one of those sports for each Olympics, uh, the total number of transgender people that have been on the medal stand is zero until this one. Until so now one. there's one who is Quinn, a soccer player from the uh, Canadian women's soccer team. And played as part of a team. It's not like this one player. Yeah, I don't think they have like 60 off. goals or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just played as part of a team. Um, have, by the way, have you been watching uh, Ted Lasso? Have you seen that? I have not. Oh, my God. It is one of the best shows that I think I've watched in ages and ages and ages. But, yeah, you brought up soccer. But, yeah, if you happen to come across that, highly recommend. We've been binging it, and it's just it's amazing. It's so well done. So, so Quinn, as uh, you just said, won as part of a team. Yeah. And then we had, there's Laurel Hubbard from New Zealand. She was the first trans athlete to compete as an individual in the weightlifting. Yeah. Didn't, didn't medal. Uh, I don't even think she got to the finals. No, and that's the thing, is that um, the people that oppose us generally think it's okay as long as we really suck. You know, if we don't win, if we finish 40th, then it's okay. Then it's totally fair. But if we do well, then suddenly we have this ridiculous, unfair advantage. And I think if you have, and I, 
I have no other basis to uh, to gauge it on, but I can tell you, having gone through what a trans athlete would go through as far as blood chemistry, um, the level that they use is 10 nanograms per liter of testosterone. Uh, my current level is three and has been for probably 10 years now. So it can't be more than 10. Can't for, be more than 10 for a for a female. Right to compete fairly, because I can tell you that. I used to be able to knock out 50 push-ups, no problem. I don't think I could do two or three now. And it's just the uh, ability to build muscle in the upper chest, it just goes away. It's not, you just can't build muscle like you used to. Um, and there's a lot of changes that occur. And, and, you know, part of these changes with the rules and the testing is kind of now, I think there's been some unintended consequences. There's been three, I, I just double-checked, there's three cisgender female athletes who were banned and not allowed to compete in this year's Olympics because they their testosterone levels were too high and it was naturally high that's just yeah. that's just how they come now one of the uh, one one of the um, athletes her name is Castor Semenya she's been in the news um, uh, for the past couple of Olympics she South won, Africa I she's believe. from South Africa yeah. that's correct the other two were from Namibia um, but Castor they told her if she she lowered her testosterone, they would allow her to compete. And I just think that's interesting. Okay, the Olympics or just any professional athletes is all about natural, not taking any substances. So now you're encouraging somebody to take a substance to know, to lower what's natural in them. That's so not fair. How do they remedy this? I don't know. That's up to the International Olympic Committee. I think that you know inclusion is the right thing to do. I believe you know fairness is the right thing. But I think. To say that just because someone is good doesn't mean they have an unfair advantage, and to say that someone has an unfair advantage and they don't do well, oh, then it's okay. Um, right. I don't know. Just yeah, it's, I, I, they, they got to figure this out because it's it's just not fair. But well, doesn't it seem I, like just about any athlete who really excels and is far and above any of the other athletes? has some sort of unfair advantage. They're just that much better. Yes, yeah. just, it just sets with the some natural ability. Yeah, genetic ability. Right. You know, um, I mean, so, to be a good athlete, you do have to train and train like any. And I think let's not, let's, we don't want to lose sight of the Olympic ideal. Because if you look and say, what is the Olympic ideal? And it's the joy in competing and competition, period. That's it. Mm -hmm. So to get nitpicky about who has an unfair advantage or who can run faster, or who tripped or who whatever, uh, let's just get back to the joy of competition. And, you know, I think sometimes getting your face in a Wheaties box has screwed everything up for everybody because there's so much money and everything and you get down to pretty much everything's about the dollar uh, and endorsements and pro You know, one of my favorite and, uh, parts of the Olympics were two runners who ran into each other, they yeah. both fell down uh -huh. and so they finished the race together instead yeah. of getting mad at each other sure you know and here and they are seen around the world uh-huh because of what could have been a sportsmanship and the joy of competition right. and I, I love seeing countries like iran or india winning their you know first the philippines first right. gold medal ever i mean the whole country's yeah. going bananas because they're they won one gold medal and it's kind of like the the u.s teams don't even get TV time unless they win a gold medal. Yeah. It's like there's this expectation is we, we just want to show the U.S. winning uh, and I'd much rather see, you know, Cutter have an athlete that wins their first medal of any kind or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know, another, uh, I think, great point about this Olympics is, and that's been the coverage, um, I guess, speaking about LGBT athletes. You know, they've been very open, you know, talking about Tom Daly and his husband. Mm -hmm. um, they covered his story um, several times. Yeah, Tom Daly's not going to let you not... You but, know, but, but, but that didn't mean that they have to cover it, and they have. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and then, no. the number of medals he won, yeah, if but, they weren't covering him... No, they'll cover him, but they don't have to cover his story. That's true. They do not, and they have been. And they've covered some, some other stories also. There's a yeah. young diver who... Um, was adopted and raised by a gay man. They covered that in detail. They didn't have to do that. So the coverage, I think, I was like, I, I know, I've been watching the Olympics ever since I was a kid. I don't think I've ever heard the word gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, even uttered, and they have a lot. It it's seems a like there way. are more uh, LGBT athletes in this Olympics than in 
all of them, the rest of them put together. Or at least yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. Out. I mean, I think out. they were yeah. always there. But yeah, right, right. You know, it wasn't safe to be out, so I think the fact that it's, you know, safer to be out. Uh, but even then, we'll just kind of have to wait and see, because it's like the more we're out in, in front of people's face, the more that we become something they want to smack down and, and keep from participating. And, and you know just, who I'm even sad. a bigger fan of now that she didn't win the gold medal? Megan Rapinoe. I yeah. love her. Yeah. 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 Uh, they lost to Canada, uh, one to zero. It wasn't expected. But when it got to uh, going for the uh, bronze medal, they looked like they worked harder than they've ever worked. And they got criticized for it. You won a bronze medal yeah. Yeah. in a sport that when it comes right down to it, nobody in the United States cares about. <laughs> but we do because of her. Yeah. 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 So, um, One thing I do want to talk about, and this, this would be gay, not, not trans, but we can have your trans view on this. Well, keep Alfonso, in mind, I'm also a lesbian, so I can have two places on that LGBTQ thing. Okay, so this is a gay man thing. Okay, then. <laughs> okay. So, so, feel Let's free, no, feel free <laughs> to criticize away. Alfonso David is the head of uh, Human Rights Campaign. Before he was hired by HRC, he was Andrew Cuomo's uh, chief counsel. Uh, he's saying that the report that came out on Cuomo this week did not indicate any wrongdoing on his part, but apparently, from reports, he assisted in leaking information to the press about one of the victims. That's not good. Um, uh, uh, Alfonso David, Andrew Cuomo, they need to go? Um, I don't know. I'll leave that to them. It's not a good look, I'll tell you that. It's not a good look at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, especially for an organization that goes around with, you know, issuing the corporate equality index and municipal equality index and the, the medical uh, equality index and saying, you know, this type of behavior gets you here and extra points and bad behavior doesn't. Um, so I think it, it puts you in kind of a awkward spot if you want to maintain credibility if you keep them on board. It's up to them to make the decision, but yeah, it's not a good look. I agree. It's not a good look, but I'm not so sure that they should step down just yet. Even Cuomo? Especially Cuomo. So you think he should go through the impeachment process? I, I, I think he should go through a trial. Everybody should have their day in court. I well, mean, he's going to go through multiple trials because criminal charges have been filed against yeah, him. Now. Okay, have at it. Because I'm not saying I don't believe the accusers. I'm not saying I don't believe them at all. It sounds like it's actually very... Uh, it, this report kind of backs up their, their findings. However... I do believe in innocent until proven guilty. You yeah, know? I think you can serve both masters by saying, look, having to go through criminal trials and civil proceedings is going to be very distracting, and the state of New York deserves better. So what we're going to do is we're not going to fire you or impeach you or kick you out of office, but we're going to put you on, like, administrative probation, you know, with pay, and then we're going to have whoever the lieutenant governor is come in and run the state of New York because you've got some other things to deal with. If you are found not guilty and these things didn't happen, then come back and take your seat. But yeah. in the meantime, let's have somebody run the, the affairs of New York, because I think right now he's not in a place to do that effectively. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with that. And, and that happened with the Trump administration, because Trump was held to a higher standard than Cuomo is being held. Was <laughs> oh, he, that guy's made out of a special kind of Teflon that only NASA knows about. He really is. That's unreal. I mean, this, and he made in a statement prior to ever being elected. He said, I can pretty much say or do anything. I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, and I could get away with it. And you know what? He's probably right. Oh, no, he, he, he is right. <laughs> he is yeah. absolutely right about that. Because yeah. an awful lot of people died in the pandemic. He gets zero blame right. for that. Right. Yeah, this is the very first virus. Because, like, when, when I was little, uh, there was something that had only been around for three years, and it was a scourge. Uh, is polio. And the polio vaccine had only been around for three years when I was born. 
And so I got that right away as a kid. And it wasn't a discussion. Everybody got polio right. vaccine. Everyone. Right. There was nothing That's controversial why, about no. it. No. And we didn't understand vaccines. There's, been no, the there's no controversy and about any vaccine. That's why and when I say no one around why. here has polio. Right. When I exactly. say we didn't understand how vaccines worked then, my mother was one of the chief researchers on the Salk polio vaccine. Yeah. And I call it the Salk polio vaccine. Jonas Salk was my mother's lab assistant. Yeah. And... Um, and he ended up stealing all their work from Columbia University, taking it elsewhere, and that's where the vaccine came from. But we didn't understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were researching not just the polio part of it, but how does a vaccine work? We right. understand all that now. Yeah, and I'm, we understand that this vaccine is safe. In my pediatrician's office, there was posters of the back of what it would look like if you had smallpox. Mm -hmm. Everybody got smallpox vaccines. Everyone. And do you and know so what that was based on? Yeah. They, they saw that cowpox, uh, if you had cowpox, you seemed to be immune from smallpox. So they inoculated everybody with a little bit of cowpox. Uh -huh. It was a live virus even. Yeah. That was not controversial because no. it was saving people's lives. Yeah. So consequently, we don't have polio today. We don't have smallpox today. But this is the first virus I've ever seen or heard of that's political. I, I don't know whether it's a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian. I have no idea what it is. But apparently it has a real strong polarizing political effect because people are saying, well, this is my right to choose. Yes and no. You can choose whether or not you get it, but you're choosing whether or not my children or grandchildren are exposed to it mm -hmm. because you don't want to get a vaccine. So you're making choices for everyone you run into and everyone those people run into and on and on and on. So you're making choices kind of like secondhand smoke. It's like, well, I'm smoking and if I'm gonna get lung cancer, that's on me. But if I'm gonna sit at a table and blow it in your face and you don't smoke, I'm, you're smoking because I am. Here's another that's example cool. of people being selfish. Uh, somebody that I know has just tested positive for coronavirus. She has a compromised immune system. She got the vaccine. So that fortunately her case of coronavirus is mild as far as last I heard. Uh, but she contracted it from somebody who would not be vaccinated apparently. And I know, I know, uh, Leslie's banging her head against the wall. Um, but that's how she got it. We are out of time. Laurent's on the phone. If you want to call and make a pledge, 972-647-1893. Leslie, thank you very much for being here today. Uh, I'll see you, well, hopefully I'll see you before the next time you're on, but you'll be on again with us, I'm sure. Sounds good. And I'm fully us, vaccinated, too, by the way. For all of us here on Lambda Weekly, our guest next week is Richard Ray from um, Channel 4 News and Scott Pogansey from uh, the documentary Texas Justice. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly next week. Have a good week. Peace.